Well, here we are uh, heading towards the next high day, Feast of Trumpets. As, uh, as we're well aware in terms of the plan of God, uh, Feast of Trumpets uh, pictures uh, the re- return of Christ, the, the memorial of the blowing of trumpets, and ultimately that last trump, the seventh trump, as Revelation talks about, we see... Uh, we see the dead in Christ and those who are alive at his coming when that last trump sounds being changed, being changed to a spirit existence, uh, living for eternity going forward in the family of God as, as, as part of that God family. Uh, you know, when we think about what is the goal, what is the goal of our lives, how would you answer that? What is the goal of, of our life here now? What, what's the end goal in mind? I, I think we would, we would basically say the, the same thing as, as, as we think about that. Maybe we might say it a little bit differently, but, but is it not uh, being a part of God's family for eternity, living with him into eternity to begin to even grasp what eternity is in his family? That's our hope. That's our hope for not only for us, but for all of mankind. We very much look forward to that, to be a part of, uh, of the situation when, as Revelation 21 says, God makes all things new and even death itself is destroyed. And then we go into e- eternity. We know Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel states ab- about this, this, of the increase of his government, there is no I- end. And we look out at the universe and we see all that's out there and what what God might have in store for all of mankind. Here we are on little tiny earth in this in this incredible uh, galaxy called the Milky Way that's one little galaxy in in the universe. Um, some of you've probably seen that some footage or pictures of, of that of the new telescope and what it's able to do is look at a small place just a small little bit and see the, the vast amount of stars and planets and galaxies that are even in just one little speck. It's, it's hard to even fathom what God has in store for us, but that, that's part of that goal, to enter not only into eternity, but, but to enter into a, an experience of, of what it is to, to possess perfect love, to possess the, the love that God has. He is perfect in love. And as we experience relationships now on, on certain levels in our human existence, some of us that uh, you know, experience especially close relationships, maybe b- between husband and wife, maybe it would be between another person in the faith that, to which we're very close, uh, a person in our family we, that we, we grasp as, as we get to know them and connect with them on a certain level, we, we get maybe just a taste a little bit of a taste of what uh, is in store for mankind when all of mankind is a part of his, of his eternal family and in, in being like him and seeing him as he is, all that is, is in store for us. Thinking about, I was thinking about Mr. Greider's message about this, this church uh, over which Christ is the, is the chief pillar stone, this foundation, this rock, the passages which talk about the marriage of, of uh, the, the bride to the groom and what, what that might be like as, as that kicks things off, so to speak, of, of, of what it will be like to be a part of God's family and, and be a part of that love. We know, we, we know these things, we get these things, we keep these things, 
we keep these feasts every year to, to help us see even more clearly God's plan, the, the goal. And we know that we must seek that kingdom and, and God's righteousness first, as Matthew 6 tells us. We know these things. But on a, on a practical level, what does that look like? How does that look in our lives now? As we, as we think about, this, this is where we're, we want to go. This is where we want to be. We want to be a part of this, this give way of life that goes into eternity. God is a God of giving to be able to perfectly give uh, as, as perfect spiritual beings, individual yet perfectly complementary to the great God who has formed us as, as, as he looks at us as his children. On a practical level, though, how does that, how does that look uh, of how we are to seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness? How does it operate? How does it move away from a goal that we have? We know it's out there. We know that it's coming. We, God's given us understanding to see that Christ is coming. He's going to set up his throne. He's going to have individuals that will serve as king priest, priest king, serving with him, alongside him, and we want to be a part of that. But, but what does that look like? How does that correlate to our daily lives on a, on a practical level? As you and I look at our lives, what strategies are, are we implementing in our lives in order to do so, in order to be there, in order to be a part uh, of the realization of that goal that all of us here have. What are we doing? I want us to think about that today, especially our teens, especially our young adults, uh, especially uh, those folks. And I want us to address this uh, through a particular lens uh, today as we address this topic, this this, the strategies of, of achieving that goal that God has set for us, a goal that we all want to experience. Uh, it's, this lens, frankly, uh, for me, represents an area that, that took a while uh, for me to begin to, to grasp the depth of it. I, I recognized it, but, but in many respects, I didn't start to kind of, if I could say, get a handle on, on this lens. Uh, until my 40s, and I've not yet arrived. I'm, I'm still working on that, but it's an area that uh, is, is critical. It's, it's critical that we begin to grasp or, or fully grasp the necessity of doing this, of, of this particular lens, uh, if we're to really engage in Christian growth, because we are to grow in, in, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're to grow towards that. If we're to really grow, we must view our lives through part, part, an element of our lives. We must view it through this particular lens. What is the lens with which I'm speaking? Here's a question for you. If I were to say the name Butterick, Simplicity, or McCall, how many of you have any idea what I'm talking about? Raise them high, very high. Okay. Okay. How many of you who just raised your hand are men? Look at that. Look, look at these people, folks. I'm, I'm, this, is, this, is, this is powerful. This is good. Uh, we're talking about patterns. Patterns. I, uh, 
you've heard me tell this story before, and I'll try not to get, I, I, got, I really got way into it in Sherman, and I have, I have to back out, as it, it got away from me. But as a kid, you know, if you, if you were in the church, uh, at least in, in our area, and pennies uh, were pinched, uh, your mama made your clothes. And, and so as a result, you went to the fabric store, and bolts of fabric are just etched in my mind all over this store. And particularly, it was, it was traumatic for me because it started with the morning of getting ready for Sabbath services to go to Columbus, Ohio. And my father was not in the church at the time, so my mother picked up three widow ladies. And all of those three widow ladies had very large hair. And, and they had very large spray to keep that hair intact. And we had, of course, no air conditioning in our car, so you can't roll down the windows. Uh, and it, it was, it was, so it, that was an event that created nausea for me as I was starting to put my church clothes on to go to Sabbath services. And then, of course, the, 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 the pre-nausea came out as real nausea as we experienced that. So it was, by the time we picked everybody up, and I'm looking at Jerry Lynn now, she knows some of those people that we picked up. They are long, uh, long gone, uh, but, uh, and, and we love them. Uh, but, but it was a two hour detour and everything to get there, and then services, and then two hours back to get them dropped off. And then especially when the sun set early, that was the tragedy of it, because if the sun set early, that meant my mother had time to go to Monique Fabrics uh, afterwards. So that, oh, you know, you're downing the, you, you finish services and you get the homemade peanut butter jelly sandwich or the homemade peanut butter and honey, which also made me slightly nauseous thinking of it, saturating the bread and then eating that after services uh, and then knowing that uh, Monique Fabrics is, is out there uh, coming. So then you go, to, you go to the bolts of fabric and spend hours in there while I'm looking at these little tiny, what, what would you call them, little tiny, packages of paper and it's like women in uh, these little dresses or girls in these little skirts and and it's got the patterns that you open up and then there's the the, the lightweight paper patterns and they've got the little uh, dotted lines around and then the little triangles because that that's how you fold that over and, and cutting it oh, I just it dealt with it so much it's still it's traumatic to even think about it <laughs> But uh, my mother did save us lots of money uh, on lots of polyester uh, back in the day. So I, I am thankful for that, and, uh, and I, I'm alive and, alive and well today. But patterns, patterns, I want us to think of the goal through patterns. The, the, the patterns, uh, you know, you had, we had to go and get Butterick and McCall and Simplicity to be able to get the pattern for the shirts that my mother made that were unique and, and which I realized at my 20 year reunion how unique they were when they said, Bernie, I remember you, you remember those shirts? You, where'd you get those shirts? My mother made those shirts. I thought I was semi-cool. Uh, I, I was not, according to them. 20 years later, what, you can remember a lot of things about me, but you remember the clothes that I wore, the, the polyester shirts? Anyway, so, but, but with that, uh, back to, patterns uh, and the life for a 9 to 12 year old boy in a fabric fabric store. As much as the term patterns uh, gives me a sickening feeling, I've got to acknowledge the role or the roles of the patterns that we follow, the roles that these patterns play throughout our lives. Some patterns tend to remain unaltered. Some patterns uh, uh, we can fall into 
Some of those patterns that we fall into in life uh, are healthy patterns. Uh, some of the patterns into which we fall are spiritually unhealthy. We can choose to establish certain patterns in our life which are healthy, and we can choose to follow spiritually unhealthy patterns. We can even choose those unhealthy patterns. And we've got all kinds of patterns. We've got sleep patterns. What are your sleep patterns like? Uh, eating patterns, drinking patterns. What about patterns of, of, of various uh, business out in, out in the business world, the business models? Uh, that we, we follow this pattern in, in our business. Uh, patterns of sales, the way the sales force on a, a department works. Uh, certain ethical or unethical patterns that we see in a business. I've talked with people in the church over the years that have been a part of a business, very excited about being, being in that business, but then to, to only find out later they began to do things that were unethical. There was an unethical ethical pattern that some of the leadership followed. Uh, I, I sensed that and dealt with that sometimes in the school districts. Uh, when I worked in, in administration, you would, you would be, you'd have to deal with a, a, a kid that was misbehaving, but then you come to realize in dealing with that, with that kid, he had gotten in trouble with that teacher, but that teacher had set something up, not, not necessarily set it up, but the, the kid misbehaved, and then the teacher made certain uh, threats or, or said was going to do something a certain way because of this. And the, and the teacher admits to me later that he was only bluffing. He was setting this up in this way to, to be able to, to uh, you know, work, work on the influence the child to turn a certain direction. Well, he, but he wasn't behaving ethically. And, and I've got to then sort all of this out. Uh, but the, the pattern that the teacher used was not an ethical way of dealing with the, with the child. Just, but those kinds of situations, different people follow different types of patterns. What patterns of our work day? What, what does your day look like? What, what about our chores? What about our patterns of thinking? What kind of thinking patterns do you, do you implement? Do I implement? Are they healthy? Are they healthy thought patterns? Uh, patterns of communication with our loved ones, patterns of, of communication with our friends, with our work associates, patterns of communication with God. How would you characterize your pattern of communication with the great almighty? How do I view that? Behavioral patterns and in interactions, behavioral patterns during our downtime, during our free time, when no one else sees what we're doing. What, what, what patterns do we tend to follow in our lives? What patterns are you and I creating, healthy or unhealthy, into what patterns have we allowed ourselves to fall that are healthy or unhealthy? Let's look at Genesis 25 to begin today. Genesis 25, we'll look at the story of an individual uh, by way of introduction to talk about the importance of establishing patterns. Life happens to us. It's going to happen to us whether we establish the patterns that, that we choose, in which we choose to operate or not. Uh, the, the critical piece that, that, that uh, I submit to you will be that without the pattern, without knowing the pattern, and without following the pattern, we're not going to go towards that goal. 
It's a, it's a simple concept, but I, I hope that this message today will be very practical for us. Those of us that have established incredibly spiritually healthy patterns will continue to do so and build on those, but also take a look at areas of our lives where we, we, we have not established that, that healthy pattern and, and to write that because that's our lives. That's our lives of, of, of seeing things as life ebbs and flows and changing the pattern uh, to, to better align with what we want the finished product to be, which is, is much more than a, a nine-year-old's uh, polyester shirt. Uh, but, but, but the pattern that, that leads us toward uh, the final product of, of eternal life. Genesis 25 speaks to this with the story of Jacob and Esau. We'll uh, briefly go through this here. Genesis 25, verse 27, I think most of us are familiar with that story, so I'll, I'll, I'll just break in the thought here. Genesis 25, uh, verse 27, so the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, uh, the the animals that he was able to kill and then enjoy eating the, the taste of that. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. I, I guess the, the red, uh, hairy, I, I guess pe red and hairy people like red stew. So uh, but anyway, therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Esau said, look, you know, I'm about to die. What is this birthright to me? What, what does it mean to me if I, if I, if I can't survive as I'm so hungry? Uh, so it, it, to some respect here, you can see a, a flippant attitude, but it goes beyond a, a flippancy as in terms of what's going on behind the scenes uh, as, as the story progresses. Look next here. So, so uh, he says in verse 33, Jacob said, Swear to me, swear to me as of this day that, that, you'll sell me your, that you'll give me your birthright, that you'll sell me your birthright for this stew. So, so uh, Esau swore to him and, and sold his birthright to Jacob. So Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. And then, of course, the summary statement there at the end of verse 34. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Do the patterns of our lives demonstrate the choices that we make? What, what caused Esau to be able to say that. You know, let's, let's step back for a second. What would Esau have known? Well, Esau was the son of, of Isaac, Isaac who had inherited the birthright promise that Isaac would have told him that, that, that Isaac received from, from Abraham. Uh, and in all of the, the prophecies about that, uh, sand on the seashore, stars of the sky, blessing, I will bless you, multiplying, you know, all of that. Uh, and, and that would have been instructed to each of them going down. Now we know, we know as the, as the two were in the womb tangling uh, uh, with one another, the prophecy was there about what would happen, that Jacob would be 
the one who would receive the, the birthright. But does that still mean that, that Esau would have had to have behaved the way that he did? Could Esau have still been, been blessed? Uh, and you know, not, not to receive the birthright promise because God had determined it to be so. Uh, it, goes, it goes beyond that with Esau. And I, I think there's, there's a lesson there uh, in terms of, of what we know as those who, in, in a sense, have received that birthright promise. We, we have been called uh, to, a, to a wonderful truth and a way of life, called to be uh, of the first fruits. Christ is the first fruits, and we are a kind of first fruits that will receive the, the blessings of that at the return of Jesus Christ, at, at the end harvest when we're receiving that as, as then the rest of the world begins to be harvested and, and, and get that opportunity to learn God's way of life. We are, we in a sense have received that birthright promise of being a part of the body of Christ, the church uh, that, that Mr. Greider talked about now, this church that the gates of the grave will not prevail against. But do we value that? Do we value that? Uh, or do we say, you know, ah, you know, I, I'm starving. Uh, what, does, what does all that mean to me if I don't get this now from you? How do we view it? I submit to you that we view it. We show to God, we show to God how much we view that and how much we value it by the patterns that we establish in our, life, uh, our lives. It's one thing to know. And, and I think, again, to, to some degree, Esau knew. Esau knew these promises uh, that were coming down. He saw how, how richly his father had been blessed. And even on a physical level, he, he saw that. Let's, let, let's continue the story. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, so Genesis 26, verse 34, a very interesting statement is made here. Genesis 26, 34, when Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives... Judith, the daughter of Beery, the Hittite, and uh, I always want to say base math, uh, some new form of math back then, I don't know, but base, base, base math, Besamoth, Besamoth, uh, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. He married into the, the Hittites, the people of the land, verse 35, and they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Unlike the, the Rechabites that we see in, in Jeremiah's time that, that honored their father's wishes and, and, and followed their father's directives and were blessed as a result, he didn't care. He didn't care. He did what he wanted to do. The pattern of his life was not, was not uh, what, it, what it should have been. Do the patterns of our lives, again, demonstrate that based on what he knew, still what he did. We look at Genesis 27 and we see the, the, the fruit of all of this, how uh, Jacob was a, a supplanter, a, a deceitful one, a heel grabber that, that came and got uh, the, the birthright promise by a deceitful means. And, and Jacob dealt with his trials and tests and, and consequences of his actions as a result of that, lessons that he had to learn. But, but look at how Esau is when he realizes that, that uh, Jacob put the major trick on him, even though he had sold it to him, that J uh, Jacob put the major trick to him here in verse 34. When Esau... Uh, 27, Genesis 27, verse 34. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. What would that have been like? How loud would that uh, cry and that bitter cry, realizing that uh, his dad had just told him, I have blessed him. 
I have blessed Jacob, and there's no taking that back. Everything about Esau's livelihood and, and what he anticipated, uh, thinking he would be receiving, all of a sudden was gone. He said to his father, verse 34, bless me, bless me. Uh, also, my father, give me something here. He said, your brother came with deceit and took it away from you, uh, your blessing. Esau said, is, is he rightly named, not rightly named Jacob? Supplanter, deceitful one, takes the heel. He supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now he's taken away my blessing, both the birthright promise and the blessings uh, associated with that. And he said, have you not, do you have, do you have something for me here, a blessing? And then Isaac gives him the blessing, and, uh, and it's, it's an interesting blessing. Uh, there, there are some, quote, blessings to it, but there are also some, some uh, the reality of, of what's in store for him, as, uh, as we, we won't take the time uh, to read that in verses 39 through 34. But let's go to Hebrews 12, because Hebrews 12 gives us a little bit better uh, idea of what was really going on in the mind and in the life if I can also say, in the pattern of Esau's life that led to this. Now, there's, a, there's a huge lesson, a, a huge uh, Old Testament lesson for the New Testament church, of which you and I are part for us individually in our lives as we think about this. He knew what was ahead of him. The goal of receiving that was there, but his pattern of life did not match that. Do you ever think that as we look at Hebrews 12, it's the, what's known as the correction chapter, the, the discipline that God gives us, the chastening that God gives us as, as because he loves us and he scourges every son whom he receives. We need that. We need, we need that, that discipline and, and guidance as, as he's fashioning us and molding us into living a life that would be godly. Let's pick up this, the statements here. Uh, leading to Esau here in verse 11. Hebrews 12, verse 11. He says, no, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. It's painful. It's painful as, we're, as we, we go through the, the lessons that we learn. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. But the, the key statement, I think, is, is in this next phrase. To those who have been trained by it. Esau was not trained by that. He, was not, he did not allow himself to be trained and fashioned and molded into a way of life that, that was, was godly. He actually lived his life in, in opposition to that by, by the actions that, that he, he demonstrated in his life. Let's, let's continue to read here. Verse 12, so therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame uh, may not be dislocated. You know, make these straight paths. Allow ourselves to be trained uh, in, in the ways that we need to be trained to develop a plan, to develop patterns of living to, to grow. And, and then as a result, we're, we're strengthened and, and, going, and, and our paths are made straight. We're going the right direction. Uh, it may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people. And holiness, pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all. And holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Powerful statement there. We know a lot. We, we, we have tremendous understanding that God's given us now. Uh, as, 
as we heard uh, this morning, there were uh, even things that the prophet Daniel didn't understand and see. God has revealed to those in the end time. We have tremendous insights that God has given us. But he still says this, uh, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I, I want to see the Lord. I want to see Jesus Christ at his return. I want to be there. But if I'm not pursuing, if I'm not allowing myself to be trained uh, in, in the regimen of training, uh, I, I'm not going to be there in that situation. Verse 15, looking carefully, looking carefully in our own lives, lest anyone shall fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up can cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Boy, bitterness can hit us in so many different ways. It can hit us when we've been unjustly dealt with. We see an injustice done in others' lives. We see an injustice done towards us. We see ourselves, uh, you know, maybe others promoted uh, when we know ourselves challenges that those others may experience and we're not. Uh, you know, all, all, any, there are so many little things that can happen that we see an individual didn't, didn't treat us the way he or she should have treated, and it hurts. And, and the, a callousness, a, a sense of bitterness can come in that starts from actually a righteous indignation that, that bleeds into that and takes us and, and grabs us and, and uh, springs up. It causes trouble, and by this many can become defiled. Verse 16, then he speaks of Esau, lest there be any fornicator. Well, I mean, again, that's obvious. If we're living a life that is, is involved with fornication, sex outside of marriage, uh, inappropriate uh, actions in that regard, uh, that, that's, not, that's not part of, of being a part of, of the church and a part of God's way of life. Uh, it, it defiles us. But he says, lest there be any fornicator or a profane person like Esau. Esau was, this is, this is the pattern of life that he did. It wasn't one act. He lived a life that was profane. Uh, those of you that have a margin in your, in your notes, uh, look, look what it says in the, in the middle of the, the margin of the Bible. It's, it says godless. Uh, he was a, a godless person. He did not live a, a godly way of life. He, he didn't make God uh, an aspect of his life, a, a critical aspect of his life. His choices, his pattern of living, the decisions that he made did not reflect being God-filled. Now, and, and isn't it interesting the way, I, 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 think, I was thinking about this this morning, isn't it interesting the way that if, if, if we have the knowledge that we have, yet the pattern of our lives are godless, if the pattern of, of the lives in which we live are godless, they're contrary to God's way of life, what, what, what can happen to us is we can come to a critical moment in our lives. You know, what, what was the critical moment for Esau? The critical moment ended up being when the red stew was there. You know, red stew. Well, it's just, I, I'm hungry, I want to eat. But because his life wasn't, wasn't trained and, and disciplined in the way of way of God, that because he wasn't living a pattern of that life, when that event came upon him, he didn't realize the seriousness of that. I mean, it was very serious right there. Swear to me. I swear to you. He didn't realize what he was losing there. We, you don't need me to go farther, do you? We realize with us, if we are not living a, a godly way of life and constantly 
being trained in, in, in developing a pattern that is after God's way of life, these things will come upon us and hit us at the most inopportunistic, is that the word, inopportune? inopportune moments uh, and then boom we can make a choice that 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 determines the direction that we go the rest of our lives uh, and you think well wait, is that is that fair well it is fair it is fair if God has given us what he's given and we choose not to walk in it uh, then those things come on us all of a sudden, and then boom, look, look at what it did for him. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food, I mean, come on, just that, he sold his birthright. Verse 17, for you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he, he, wanted, he wanted the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance. His life had not been been a life of repentance. His, his life had not been a life trained uh, to uh, self-examination and, and to receive gladly correction so he could stay on the right path. So he, he really sought the blessing. In fact, he sought it diligently with tears, but, not, but he didn't find place for repentance. Let's turn to another familiar passage, Second uh, Corinthians 7. Second Corinthians 7. I think one of the, the, the uh, very inspiring, one of the more, in, uh, not more inspiring, but one of the areas of, of Scripture in 2 Corinthians that I find incredibly inspiring is the way Paul encourages the church here at Corinth, uh, dealing with all that they had to deal with, dealing with the difficulties that he had and, and what he had to share with them to, to help them see what they needed to do to turn and be more like more like. Uh, their Savior, Jesus Christ, they responded to that. They responded to the, that. They, they took that correction. They righted the course, and they began to live a way of life that was, was, was appropriate in God's eyes. And it's that whole subject of, of godly sorrow. It's what correction, discipline, and training in going forward should yield. Godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 8, he said, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I, I don't regret it, he says, though I did regret it. He's, I'm not regretting uh, what happened as a result. I regretted having to do so. It's painful for him to do so. He says, For I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry, though, though only for a little while. And now, he says, verse 9, I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but I rejoice that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. And then here it is, a, a familiar passage, but it's, it's so true, especially with respect to, to the patterns of life that we choose to, to live. The, the turning and, and what that turning looks like as we develop patterns in our lives that are a healthy healthy, godly patterns. Godly sorrow, verse 10, produces repentance. That, that repentance that leads to this, it leads to that goal that we were talking about. It leads to that. And it's not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Uh, was not Esau's sorrow a, a sorrow of the world? I, I think it was. It, 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 certainly an example of, of one of the aspects of the sorrow of the world that, that really didn't produce any change in his life. Now we see this, this pattern here. Observe this very thing. 
that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. All, you know, they, they began to recognize that, and, and not only was it a thing of, oh, yeah, we've got to repent, we did this, we shouldn't have, but it went beyond that. It, it, it went a turning, but, but a diligent effort, a, a, a systematic way of living, developing, as if I could add, not add, but expand on, patterns in their lives that, that represented more of just, I feel sorry for this, and I'm going to try to do this, but now I'm, I'm going to be diligent in that path diligent in this pattern of life that is godly, that I'm, I'm putting this other away. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. There is nothing like uh, individuals that have battled with certain things and have openly repented before God, received that forgiveness, and, and began a, a diligent life in this different direction. The talk with folks that have gone through major, major things that have, have, have completely had a, a, you know, their, their talons in, in them to, to, to be lifted from that, a, a clearing of yourselves and how, uh, how liberating that feels as, as the person goes through this process that, that comes as a result of, of, of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ being applied to that and, and that diligence. What clearing of yourself, what indignation over seeing with clarity what that area of sin was like, uh, indignation towards that, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication, being completely vindicated of that. In all things, he says to the, to the brethren there in Corinth, you have proven yourselves to be clear in this matter. Uh, I, I would hope God would say that of me, as, and I, I would hope that God would say that of all of us as we, as we recognize these kinds of things and not only turn and repent, but then, it, then develop a pattern in our lives that, that demonstrates to God our diligence to, to fight off that. 1 Corinthians 9 uh, speaks to that as well. It's, a, it's another familiar passage, so I won't give you time to turn there. I'll just start reading it as you're getting there. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. What strategies are we putting in place as we're going through our lives, searching for that, uh, seeking that goal? Do we, do we have a strategy in place? Do we have a plan in place? Do we have a pattern? Uh, especially, again, talking to, to our young adults today. What patterns did your, did your parents instill in you that you're following that are solid patterns, that are good, healthy, spiritually healthy patterns? As, as we're getting out on our own and making decisions for ourselves and not having our parents looking over us, uh, what, what, what patterns, uh, do we have a pattern that we follow in, in life? What, what, are, what are we enacting to, to demonstrate our, our pursuit of that goal. He says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. I, I like the way the NIV renders this. Well, of course, the margin of New King James Version uh, says, exercises self-control. So every, everyone who competes for the prize exercises self-control. It sees that this is a pattern, this is a way of life that I must live to to. to to seek and obtain that prize that God is, is desiring to give me. So therefore, I must exercise self-control in that. The NIV states, everyone uh, who competes for the prize states, goes into strict training. They have, it's, and, and I love the, the, the imagery of that. It is a, 
a strict training regimen that, that we must follow in order to, to head towards that. What, what was the, the strict training regimen that Esau followed? Uh, again, that, that spoke to uh, his situation. Think about this. Uh, just like Butterick, just like Simplicity, just like McCall, uh, the patterns form the basis of what we are creating. The patterns lead us to the goal of the final product. If we don't follow the pattern, we don't achieve the, the desired final product. Look at the end of here of uh, verse Verse 26, let's read that. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. I, I fight, not as one who beats the air. We won't go into the details of that. But he says, but I discipline my body. I, I have a training regimen. I, I discipline my body. I, as an athlete, is on that training regimen, doing this and taking care of this and that and this and that, and bring it into subjection, lest when I should have preached to others, I might dis become disqualified. When we look back at verse 25, what is the goal? What's, what's the goal? I, 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 tried, I do all this. I enter into strict training. training. Now uh, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. If we don't follow the pattern, we don't achieve the desired final product. The desired final product is the imperishable crown. As a result uh, of, of following that pattern, uh, instead of becoming disqualified, uh, as we just read in verse 27. So, so what strict training pattern or, or regimen are we following? I'd like to take a look at that in the remaining time. Uh, let's look at several concepts. And again, I, I, I'm not saying that these are the only ones. I, I just am asking us, for those of us, uh, let's go to 1 Timothy 4, for those of us who who consider ourselves to be in training, and I, I hope all of, us, all of us do, who are striving to, to set our lives, the pattern of our lives, in a direction that is leading us towards this ultimate goal, that we're, we're taking responsibility, taking accountability before God uh, to use the Spirit of God which He's placed in us, the mind of God, to develop the kinds of healthy patterns as we look to the pattern setter, Jesus Christ. What are those? Is life just happening to you? Are things a bit out of control? What areas are solid? You feel like God's really helped me here. I've developed this, and this, this is giving me a clear direction towards this. What areas aren't where they need to be? What areas in, in marriage are, are not? What, what areas in, in, between you and, you and your spouse, between me and my spouse, between with our children, with job, with, with all the aspects of, of, our, of our relationship with God and relationship with others? Uh, let's look at some concepts in developing and, and building upon these, these healthy patterns that, uh, that, that God wants us to experience, enjoy, and experience, like I said in first in. Uh, 2 Corinthians, the clearing of ourselves, the vindication that God, that God gives us as we, uh, as we walk, through that, walk down that path. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Here he's speaking, uh, Paul is speaking to Timothy, uh, bolstering Timothy on, on the essence of, of, of upon what he needs to, to focus in his ministry. 
I think by extension, whether ministers or not, we, we are members of the body of Christ, and, and these, these words certainly apply to us as, as parents, as, as individuals who are influencers as, as we strive to lead. We're all, we all lead by influencing others. Uh, think, think about these as we deal with this, this first concept. And, and the first concept is simply this, prioritize the patterns to address and establish a course of action. Prioritize the patterns to address. As we look at, at our lives, sometimes we can feel like our lives are just completely out of control in all these, in all these areas, and then we just want to tackle it all and, and be perfect at it at once. I'm not saying that if we're sinning, to not, I'm only going to turn from these sins right now. I'll, I'll turn from these a little bit later. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying in terms of developing a plan or a pattern, uh, we've got to always look first at, at the priorities. What, what are the, the big priorities? It, it takes some time to do that, to think through that, to establish that course of action. I think Paul, uh, part of what Paul is doing here with Timothy is, is to help him see these are priorities for you, Timothy. If, if you're going to be effective in this role, these better be priorities. Develop a pattern in your life that focuses upon these. If you do not, it, it's not going to happen for you. It's not going to just, just happen. Uh, take, take charge of this. Uh, you can do it, as he says here. Let no one, to Timothy, this younger minister, he says, let no one despise your, your youthfulness, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Boy, that's, there's a lot in that. Uh, but but he, he talks to him about the example that is so critical as, as he interacts with others. Uh, it's so critical for all of us, whether in the ministry or not. It is uh, by what we say, how we behave, uh, how do we love others uh, uh, openly and do we have a, a giving nature to us as we interact with one another are we filled with God's spirit is is the love based on on God's spirit dwelling in us uh, in with our whole essence of who we are in faith in complete faith and confidence of what God's doing uh, in in this life and in what he's doing in our lives as we yield to him and in purity he says so so it's a pattern of life verse 13 Paul says till I come Timothy, here's what you need to be doing. You need to give your attention to reading. Take, take time in, in, in your messages, you know, public reading uh, of the scriptures, but, but I think by extension, give attention to studying God's word. I, I can't see that pattern clearly unless I am in God's word. So what pattern of life do I have daily? Is, does the pattern of my life include, do I prioritize reading God's word? When do I do that? Am I doing that? Well, then how can we expect, how can we expect to be going towards this goal or how can we expect to even achieve that goal if we do not set that pattern in our lives that gives attention to this, that gives attention to, to reading, to reading God's word and taking in of, of, of God's speaking to us through, through his words, the inspired word, to encouraging others, to exhortation, to doctrine, what is, what is true and right, what to the belief system that we've been given. He says, don't neglect the, the gift that's given you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands uh, of, the, of the eldership. His role 
uh, the gift that he had been given uh, in serving in that particular aspect of the body of Christ was in the ministry. So he says, think about that. Think about that gift. Take, don't neglect that. God, God gave that to you. Don't neglect it. Don't bury the talent, so to speak. We've all been given gifts, as talked about in uh, was it Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, some of those passages. Don't neglect that. Don't neglect that. Use that uh, as God has blessed us to serve. Give, give attention to it. Think about it, as it says here in verse 15. Meditate on these things. Reflect on these things. Think about these things. Not only that, here's the priority. Give yourself entirely to those things that your progress may be evident to all. Namely, <laughs> we, our progress needs to be evident to God. But, but, but again, it comes back to that example that, of verse 12 that, that others see by the way that he gives himself entirely to that. So do you and I set up, in, in, in our pattern of living daily, do we, do we prioritize that? As we do so, he says, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Uh, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Again, that role of the, the building up of the body of Christ, that we nurture and build up one another in that kind of situation. In my, imagine, brethren, if all of us were firing on all cylinders in verses 12 through 16. Imagine if we're all, if we're all firing on that. Uh, and, and that is our priority, and that we set the pattern of our lives on, on these kinds of things. Uh, imagine the degree to which we, we experience that clearing of ourselves the, in God's guidance and direction in our lives. This is the kind of thing that, that builds a healthy, strong body of Christ that supports one another. And, and many are doing that. I, I have elements where I'm doing that well. And I have elements in my life where I'm not at times. But it's something that I know I must establish this pattern uh, of a way of life. Uh, and I must prioritize that. Otherwise, things get, things get out of whack. Prioritize the patterns to address and establish a course of action. Second point. Start with little pattern changes, changes to address big issues. Start with little pattern changes to address big issues. We, I think most of, us, most of us are aware of some of the big issues in our lives. The way a lot of those big issues begin to be addressed is when we take it down and deal with the little things that we can change. Uh, just as an example, uh, if, if our lives are, seem to be kind of out of, out of control, uh, one of the first patterns to address, especially for young adults, uh, which, which is not only a simple adjustment, but, but which also it, it positions us well for, for additional healthy pattern changes, is simply our morning routine. What, what, what does your morning routine look like? Uh, first things first, as we, as we get up and we start the day. Is, is it out of whack? It's like, oh, I wake up, what am I doing? I mean, give my phone, I'm looking at this, ah, oh, yeah. I don't know, what am I gonna do? I don't know, let me think. I gotta work, I'm kinda hungry. You know, what do we do? What, what, do we establish a, a healthy routine in the morning? It's a little thing that we can do, uh, and, and some of us here have mastered that. And you, you know that pattern that you follow and how that pattern helps set your whole day 
in a right direction. And those of us uh, who are in that mode that also know what happens those days that we miss that pattern, that we don't go and that we know, we know how, how off we get. Uh, the pattern, uh, it's a simple way to begin to uh, address uh, those, those kinds of things. And, and you know, tied to that, let's, uh, let's look at uh, 1 Peter 1. These, these, these little changes that we can begin to address versus the, you know, we, I don't know, I won't say we've all been in this situation, but I've been in this where, you know, it's like, I need to lose weight. I need to lose this amount of weight. So, you know, what am I going to do? I need to lose 30 pounds in three days or less. So, you know, see this, the military diet. You get these boiled eggs and have two boiled eggs and there's this little cracker thing that you eat and... and uh, you know, I tried that, and I didn't lose 30 pounds in three days, but I lost 10 pounds in like two weeks, and then I gained it back, and then some more in the next two weeks. You know, it's just, just drastic. I got to do this, and this will help lose this. Now, uh, what, what, what is balanced, and what is sustainable? Uh, I haven't been studying and praying like I need to do. I'm just going to shut it all down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work for 10 hours a day, and I'm going to pray for 14 hours a day and study. Uh, you know, that, that's not reasonable, that's not balanced, but, but begin to, to make the, the, the sustainable, balanced changes, the small little increments that get us to developing that pattern. First uh, Peter 3 uh, ties to this as, as well. Re- remember that it's, it, it takes a while for the brain to begin to, to build a pathway. We've all heard messages on that. It takes this many days to build a habit, all that kind of thing. But, but it does. It really does take a while for the brain to begin to develop a, a pathway or a pattern that, that we be, that's the way God made us. We're, we're, we're human beings and we, we build habits. We build uh, pathways. We build patterns. This well-worn path in the woods that we can follow. That we begin to see clearly what we need to do. First uh, Peter 1 verse 13. First Peter 1 verse 13. He says here, Gird up the loins of your mind. I think we've heard this passage covered before. Uh, you know, it's like you've got, you've got your, you're out in the desert and, and you've got that, that long robe. And, you know, pull up the, the, the robe, tuck it in uh, your britches so you can really run. You know, gird up. Hey, it's time to get rolling here. Let, let's get focused. Let's get after this. Let's gird up the loins of our mind. Let's be sober. Let's rest our hope fully upon the grace of God that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming to, to former lusts as in your ignorance, but be holy in your conduct. So we start, we start doing the kinds of things that, that we need to do. Uh, recognize the, the, recognizing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what it, what it does for us. Let's look over a couple of pages. Uh, it, it, but it, it is a, a, a girding up. I've, I've got to, I've got to I've got to make the choice to do it. I've got to get going. But it's going to take a while to develop uh, that well-worn pathway. Uh, we see a, a principle here in 2 Peter 1, 2 Peter 1, that is also at work with, with patterns that we set. It's a spiritual principle that, that occurs as we implement a, a pattern of behavior and thought. What it is is uh, the compound interest effect. I mean, most of us have... have heard that or heard messages you know it's, it's that thing I, I remember reading somewhere it's like if you're if you're 19 years old and you get a job and and you put away what is it two or three hundred dollars a month uh, 
or, or right when you get out of college, you, you start putting away two to three hundred dollars a month in you know the, the basic uh, stock market. This is again showing my incredible intelligence in the business world. I think it, it's hard for me to even say stock market. I don't know all the terms, but but you know you put it put it in and and then and keep doing that year by year. By the end, you know the, it compounds to where you have millions. And that's what we're all about, is getting very wealthy in this life. I, you know, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Obviously it's not, but, but the, the principle, the principle uh, is there also spiritually. As we do the things that, that we start following the pattern of, of what we need to be doing, and we build on that pattern, there's a compound interest of that. It begins to bleed over into other aspects of our lives, but we've got, we've got to develop the pattern. We've got to establish a plan and, and work that plan and that pattern uh, as we continue to grow. We, we see that coming out here in, in 2 Peter 1, verse 13. Second, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 2 Peter 1, verse 3. So he says, grace, uh, grace be multiplied to you as, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Uh, we've been given a tremendous amount of knowledge, and he called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. There's the goal out there. Here's the goal, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. That's the goal. And another aspect of the goal is, is having escaped the, the, the depravity of the world that, it, that is in the world through, through lust. So then he says, as, as we see the, the compounding interest of, of, of having a pattern of a way of life that's godly, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. He starts, starts it with diligence and he ends it with diligence. The girding up of uh, of of the loins as we go forward, a, a being diligent to be trained by it. For this very reason, giving all diligence, we start adding to things. We add to faith virtue, virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, this stick-to-itiveness, perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness. Uh, these patterns that we follow and we build and we add these things on into brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and if these things abound in you, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he who lacks these things, we're, we're back to Esau, is short-sighted, no plan, no living, living for the moment, short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. How are we diligent in our call and select, uh, election? We are diligent through the patterns that we set in our daily lives. Again, what patterns are you and I establishing? That demonstrates to God, and it demonstrates to us in, in a right way, what, what truly is important to us in this life. Recognize uh, a, a last thought with respect to these, uh, these concepts. I, I, I think I need to say this because I, I realize that we're all wired a bit differently. You know, we, we go through the Myers-Briggs kind of personality scale, and, and one of the aspects of that is the, the P versus the J. The J is the planner, 
and you know we can life can be completely summed up in a series of projects and plans to accomplish those that's the j personality and the p personality is life is out there it's to be experienced let's take it all in what i've got to do this 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 and this 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 and this this and this 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 what i would feel i'm trapped in a box and i can't get out and god wants me to take in and and enjoy life and experience life and the the joy of all of it and and capture the moment uh, neither way is right or wrong uh, but those of us who are very very strong jays can can take our lives and and take it down to where it's a series of, of just to-do lists uh, versus the other. And, you, and, and the P who is, gives himself over completely to that uh, kind of never ends up really getting anything accomplished because living in the moment. Uh, you know, so we know, we know we need plans, but we also know that we, we can't legislate ourselves into the kingdom of God. We, we know that, we get that. But, but understand, you know, that we are, we are wired a bit differently as, as we strive to implement healthy patterns. We, there is a general pattern, the pattern of the life of Christ, and, and yet there, there is a lot of individuality that we can have in our own patterns that, that help us, as we look at God's Word and take God's Word, to help us develop that pattern that, that will most optimize our growth with God's help. Uh, we can become so convicted that our patterns of behavior, our regimen, our approach, our methods that we follow are right because we've implemented them and, and, and they've worked for us. So if others are going to have, they need to follow the exact same pattern that we've followed. Uh, as a result, we can end up thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. So you know, there, there are different, different ways that, that work differently for individuals. Uh, you know, the, the night and day person, you know, the, the person who says, uh, who, who basically believes that godly people get up at 6 a.m. or before, you know, ultimately. The truly godly people will get up before 6 a.m. The ones who are kind of on the fence, 6 to 7-ish. But when you start moving into 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, it's moving into profane. You know, some, some see that, early to rise, early. I say I don't even know the phrase. That tells you that I'm not a morning person. Uh, but, the, you know, there are, there are different ways. There are some here who, uh, in, in, in David talks about in the night hours, as I'm thinking deeply on your way of life, there are some that, that think very deeply. And when, the, when, when it's evening and, and it's quiet at night and they can study and have that, and those... Those thoughts, those, those concepts are, are at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock at, at night. And uh, they start the day around 9 or so. And they lead very, very productive lives. Uh, so, you know, there are, there are different, different ways, different work schedules, different things like that. But again, what is the pattern that, that I'm setting? Is the pattern one that leads to a productive way of life, a, a way of life that, that says these are priorities and, and my pattern of my life focuses on these priorities and everything comes down uh, from that. If we're not keeping our eyes on the pattern setter, Jesus Christ, and looking at what we're doing in comparison with others, we can deceive ourselves you know, into thinking that everything's fine because of certain patterns of behavior in which we do uh, well that, when compared to others. And all the while, we can find ourselves falling into other bad patterns of thought or behavior elsewhere in our lives, especially 
in areas that are not visible to others. As we begin to wrap this up, I, I, wanna, I want us to think about some examples. I'll, I'll, I'll share with you some. Uh, you know, the one clear example that I, I think we constantly need to address in our lives and check is our example, again, of, of developing the daily patterns of, of prayer, study, and reflection. Uh, occasionally, again, fasting, but, but always be looking and, and reflecting on the degree to which we reflect, we meditate, the degree to which we prioritize prayer and study. It is a pattern that God says we must have. We must implement that. If we're not implementing those components into our daily patterns, we're not, we're not going towards the goal. We're, we, we must communicate with God through prayer. We must communicate with God through reflection on his ways, and we must listen to what God says by studying his word. If we're not doing that, we're, we're not prioritizing the patterns. Uh, so, you know, we say start, start in the little areas. If we're struggling to get on a pattern, put those first. Put those, implement those into our daily pattern. They are musts. Uh, Again, it may, it may come at different times. You may be a night reader. You may be a morning reader. Here's an, uh, an example of, of uh, something that Lisa and I have, have noted, just to give you an example. Okay? So for us, we realize, and I've talked about this before, the, the critical need to connect as husband and wife, to really connect and bond and, and, and uh, you know, in, in terms of, of understanding what marriage is as as two individuals who are very connected uh, spiritually in every way. We, we recognized years ago uh, that we needed to create daily time to connect. Why? Because we've, you've got to go all the way to the top. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as, your heart, as yourself. Uh, you know, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Uh, dwell with your wife with understanding. You know, all those priorities come down to I need to make sure that I connect with my wife. That I must follow a pattern in my life that shows a commitment to connecting with my wife. I need to connect with her in the way that I dwell with her with understanding that, that she wants to be connected. You know, again, we've looked at love languages and different things that are out there about connecting, but my wife connects well and feels connected to me if, if I'm interacting with her, if, if I'm talking with her, quality conversation. So I, we had to develop a pattern in our lives that, that emphasized that, that, that stressed that. And interestingly enough, you know, we, we, we came to understand that, okay, Given the way that we are, we do this, we do this, we do this. Coffee in the morning, we talk, we go for a walk. We, we talk in the evening we, uh, with some nice music. You know, we do, we do those kinds of things. But then, then we have these things that happen where our, the patterns of our life change. All of a sudden, you know, we were dealing with my brother-in-law, Jeff, who was, who was, you know, completely incapacitated. And here, a huge part of our lives are dealing with, with caring for him. It messed up the whole pattern. But we had to come back and say, we got to look at this pattern. It, it is critical for us to connect on a daily basis uh, to, to get through life and, and to be at our best. So we had to switch things. We had to find different times when we connected uh, throughout the day because it was a priority. But, and that's, that's the way with all of us. We have different things that come up in our lives uh, that, uh, 
that are critical. For me, I'll share with you some of the pattern changes that, that I'm working on in my life. Uh, and you, you have yours, but I'll, I'll share uh, with, with yours as we wrap this up. For me, it's managing my workload, hat wearing, you know, uh, when to say no. There's a time to say no. People want you to do something. Uh, when to say yes. What's my motivation for saying yes or for saying no? To, to look at that. Is it selfish? Is it, uh, am I prioritizing correctly? How do my patterns of daily life fall under the big priorities of life? Uh, you know, again, managing workload, creating recharge time. Christ went off here to recharge, to connect with God, to have some downtime. Uh, am I Am I properly and adequately setting up recharge time in my life because I'm a human being and I need that? Uh, are we doing that? Are, are, am I prioritizing that? Is that part of the pattern of my workday so I can step back and reflect? Uh, what about uh, uh, you know, personal healthy eating habits and, and taking care of our, our, our personal health while not uh, making it a religion? And I don't think we need to say more about that. But, but understanding that, I'm constantly looking at that in my own life of, of what I need to do as I, as I age. What pattern of, of living do I have in terms of what I eat and what I choose to eat when? One, uh, another one that I, I, I really appreciated uh, as we turn to some final passages here. Let's go to Titus 2. Just, I'm just, again, brainstorming with you on some of the things that, that I'm striving to establish better patterns. One uh, came from uh, Mr. Mr. Dick Thompson, longtime minister in the church, at a, a refresher or a ministerial webinar. He was uh, giving instructions to, to ministers about, about Sabbath. And he said uh, one thing that he learned that he needed to do was he needed to shut things down come Sabbath. He said the, he found, you know, the, the emails come in and, uh, you know, all, all the emails. And he said he found that as a minister, you know, the, the Sabbath is a big day, that if he, didn't, if he kept looking at emails and kept answering emails that came in, he'd, he'd spend the whole Sabbath doing that. He knew that it was going to be a busy day the next day. So as Sabbath began at sunset, he stopped looking at emails. He just stopped looking. And the brethren knew that he was going to begin looking at emails again uh, sunset Saturday night. But he knew, and I'm not saying that looking at emails on the Sabbath is a sin for a minister. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying that we, we must, uh, thou shalt not look at an email on the Sabbath. I'm not, not saying that. But we've got to know what, what pattern are we setting to be able to keep God's Sabbath in a way that is holy and in a way that is special. And for him and his schedule, he knew that he needed to shut that down. Otherwise, it's just another day of responsibilities and tasks and getting back to people. He had to, to make that day a special day that God makes. But I, I say that to, to ask all of us as I look at my, myself, what, what, things, what things am I doing? What patterns am I setting that are unhealthy. What pattern? What little shifts in the pattern can I do? Be it cell phones, text, uh, you know, all that that goes on at different times, to to focus in and uh, and create uh, the best opportunity to work towards that ultimate goal that we have. Titus two six. Titus two six speaks to the example that 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 uh, we should set. Titus two six. 
Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. And he says to, to Titus, uh, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. It is, it, the, his life would be a pattern, it would be a, a visible pattern to others of good works in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. Uh, so they can say nothing evil of you by, by your sound words. But this, this pattern of good works, Philippians 3 speaks to that. Philippians 3, let's look at that and then we'll turn to one final scripture as we wrap this up. Uh, Philippians 3, uh, in the whole situation just before the, our, the citizenship discussion, Philippians 3 verse 12 Paul, Paul is saying, you know, we're not there yet. I'm not saying that I'm there yet. I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but, he, but I press on. How, how do we press on? We, well, I'm just kind of going through life. Uh, life's happening to me. No, there's a, there's a pressing forward there's with, with intent, uh, again, of being, of being trained of, uh, of that regimen. That, because I, I desire that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. That's the goal. So I press on. I don't count myself to have apprehended, but, but I, I forget what's behind me and I press forward. I press toward that goal of the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. Therefore, let as many as are mature, that uh, are, are mature, have this mind. And if anyone think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by that same rule. Let us be of that same mind. Verse 17, brethren, join in following my example. May we all join in following the example of Jesus Christ. May we all join in following the example that Paul set for us. Note those who so walk. Uh, note those who walk in that way. As, as you have for us a pattern, we can be a pattern for each other. Uh, for many walk of whom I told you often and tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of Christ. There are those who are living a pattern of their lives, as Esau did, uh, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. May that not be so with us. Let's turn finally to Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6, as it talks about the the challenges that lay before us, uh, the, the key doctrines of the church, and then, then ultimately uh, the, the uh, building the brethren up, saying, uh, again, you can do it because God, God loves us and, and he expects a diligence as we go forward. Verse, uh, verse 11, we desire that, uh, that each one of you that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope till the end. It's, it's a diligent effort. It's a diligent effort on all of our parts uh, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Patterns. What patterns are we falling into? What patterns are we establishing? Are they healthy? Let's, let's make them healthy. Let's endeavor to make healthy patterns that lead towards that goal that awaits us all.